I don't know what floor they were on, but they were walking and there was a, a gentleman that was, I believe, a paraplegic and he had to get carried down. So by I think the grace of God, they had to carry him mm -hmm. and it held them up and it didn't make them move faster down the staircase because at that point, if they were moving faster, then they would probably have been dead by the first building coming down. Yeah. But the first building came down and they were still in the building because ours was the second one that came down. Mm -hmm. So logistically, that man that couldn't walk yeah. down the flights of stairs saved a lot of people. I mean, a lot of people by being held up because you're rushing to get down. So I was um, born and raised in Arizona and then was able to go to New York City. And um, after starting college, I got it, just this crazy opportunity to go to New York and live in New York um, on my own and find myself working uh, for the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey. Cool. And the first job I ever got was when I was 20 years old and got to work on the windows, windows of the world, which was the first tower. Um, that we know of in 9-11, and I worked on the 77th floor at Tower 1, and I was the Deputy Inspector General Secretary, and uh, I was a confidentiality secretary, and a lot of big names walked through that building. I had a double-sided glass window that um, protected us because we were the detectives of, I don't know, around 6,000 employees that could be doing bad work and their, their job, and we watched over the tunnels and all the ports and the airports, the tunnels, the bridges, anything that ported in from New York and New Jersey. Did you so, always know that you wanted to do that? No, I think I, well, when I got there, uh, when I landed um, in New York, I got an apartment um, and it ended up just, I got the newspaper, I mean, old school newspaper and it's called a recruiting thing. And they were looking for a certain age and a certain type of youth, I guess, to fill their employment role. And they called me and I got that job and I was just, um, I don't know why I got that job. I look back and I think that is a heavy hitting job. Yeah. And it was um, really unique to get that type of environment really quickly as such a young kid. But I felt very old and mature. And I was very much an old soul, I think, at that age anyway, at 20. And um, I wasn't the one to go in to college to go and have fun and party. I was more of the one that wanted to be an adult very quickly. And um, but with that, I just found myself um working there. Um, and eight months later, uh, we really just, we had a fire drill the Tuesday before. Um, and I was driven in, um, by, um, who was my roommate that became my husband. Um, my husband drove me in take a, we took a totally different route into the city that day. Um, and he had a meeting and we ended up finding ourselves like delayed. And by being delayed, I found myself, you know, up at, um, you know, getting through the elevator and uh, getting to the 77th floor of Tower One. Um, and the building, you know, crashed and, and or the building got hit. And um, we were the first tower that got hit. This and is September 11th. September 11th, 2001. Yes. 20 years, just turned 21. And uh, wow. yeah, and that just kind of. Um, so you're in your office just, yeah. on the 77th floor mm -hmm. when the first plane hits right. the tower. Right. What did you know what happened? Did it, they mm -hmm. hit above you. They hit above us on the 86. Yes. So not very far above no, you. No, not very far. Mm -mm. What's everybody saying in that moment? Run. I mean, do, do you know, even no. know what happened? There was a, a detective that worked with us and he came in and he um, he had fire come up from the bathroom, from the toilet. He was actually on the toilet. So he had burned his butt. 
And so he was running in and being on the window. And it was just crazy to think that, you know, it was, um, I feel like I got unconscious a little bit. Um, I don't really remember the survival. uh, Yeah. It was like a survival blackout. Um, even 20, what, two years later, 21 years later, two, 22 years later, I feel like, um, it was, um, like a blackout of September, October for me. Um, like the, it went dark. Um, sure. I remember just really trying to grasp, um, the concept. Um, when you were in the building, in the build, but after September and October, the months after I felt like I had a PTSD blackout yeah. moment and, and I remember little bits of it, but not a lot. The idea that um, what happened to kind of get me going and getting out was um, I think it was just everybody that I was with that um, kind of, you know, got down the stairs acted. and acted. And and uh, one of the um, Michael Nestor, who was um, my deputy uh, inspector general, my direct boss, um, he was the last um, one documented off of the um, – off of the elevator to the windows of the world, which windows of the world was 110th floor. And he was meeting with Neil Levin and Neil Levin was the executive director. Um, I think he was around 37 years old, a uh, Jewish man, had I think three kids and he ran the port authority and Michael Nestor was supposed to be up there meeting him. And, and then there was another guy, Richard Tierney, and he was up there with Michael and they were in our office. They, they were, they were those that, their offices was um, on the 77th floor. So they um, they were up at the windows of the world meeting um, um, the executive director, and they were the last two to be documented that came off the elevator just in time and saved their so life. So they were able to get down, even though it they happened just, at the 86th floor. No, they literally floor. Like, were up there. They came down, oh, and, and then, then the building the hit, and they were off the elevator at the right time. Oh, my gosh. And, and then Michael Nestor like, carried a guy down the um, the um, – they were held up. Um, Michael Nestor and the whole group was held up, um, and they um, they walked. I don't know what floor they were on, but they were walking, and there was a, a gentleman that was, I believe, a paraplegic, and he had to get carried down. So by, I think, the grace of God, they had to carry him, mm-hmm. and it held them up, and it didn't make them move faster down the staircase because at that point, if they were moving faster— then they would probably have been dead by the first building coming down. Yeah. But the first building came down and they were still in the building because ours was the second one that came down. Mm-hmm. So logistically, that man that couldn't walk yeah. down the flights of stairs saved a lot of people. I mean, a lot of people by being held up because you're rushing to get down. Yeah. And um, and it was incredible to see, you know. Um, Do you remember coming out of the stair? Well, mm-hmm. were you, so you yes. were out in the street. I was on the street. By the time the second mm-hmm. tower, which it was the first tower to fall. It already came down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And so I was running from the second tower. The The north tower came down second. So I was running from that when I came out. And we went to the post office. Wow. And yeah, and that was... Um, chaos. Chaos, yeah. It was It was just all... It was, it was like a dark, you know, cloud of dust. And it was um, confusing. And then... Um, I don't know. And then another like very, I mean, I think that the gentleman, you know, um, being carried down, you know, held everyone up. But I think um, um, people that um, are supposed to be in your life at the right time and the right place yeah. uh, carry you down your path. And there's a reason why you have your path. And yes, there's problems and pain and there's issues that are created from it. 
Um, but ultimately, if you always have that positive, like it's okay, no problem, it's going to change and life will change, but you you got this next step. Um, I had my my boyfriend, who was my ended up being my husband, um, with back in the day, right? We had the cell phones that were not like Nextel cell phones. Like yeah. there was texting, yes, but um, but no GPS coordinates. So. <laughs> So I'm walking, trying to get my bearings, and I'm throwing up. I'm not feeling good. I'm I'm really all over the place. I, I'm kind of stumbling. I don't know what's going on. Um, and I mean, I'm I'm a distance from the World Trade Center at this point, like kind of lost and confused. And um, I needed water, and I stopped, and this man got me water, and um, and it was on the corner of Green and Spring. And, um, that corner, um, with no cell phones and my boyfriend at the time out of a million people went the opposite direction and he went to the port of the, or went to the world trade center, not away from it to try to find me. Um, we found, he found me on the corner. Wow. I mean, I just don't, Yeah. if you don't believe in like fate or people's paths or the connection of people yeah, and how you let people into your life. I mean, I moved in with my boyfriend. I moved in with a guy to have a roommate who ended up literally finding me on the street corner in New York. In the middle, in the middle of, of crazy. Yeah. Yes. Wow. It was wild. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, like you just don't understand how powerful that can get, and you really go deep into it, and you just sometimes you shouldn't make a lot of sense out of it because then you'll think too much about it. Sure, won't carry you. But when it comes down to Letting people guide you on your path. If mm-hmm. you don't feel it's the right path or you know it's wrong, then it, you should pivot. And I feel like um, when um, that boyfriend, um, September 11th happened, he actually had a seizure and had a brain tumor about two months later. And it literally snapped me out of my PSD mm-hmm. to find that I had to care for not myself, but him. Yeah. And I feel like that was an, a pivotal moment for my effort that you have to find a purpose in your life, even though you're going through something that's traumatic. I went through 35 funerals. Um, we had people that were working with us directly all the time that passed. Um, um, it's just, there was so many deaths that we had to see, not just one funeral, but 35 of those Port Authority and, and others that you couldn't believe were, um, um, there was just massive amount of pain and um, sorrow that it was hard to escape. And so to be positive living in New York, it was like it was created so dramatically um, through everyone's soul that it was hard to escape. So when something like that happened to me personally, it was like it saved me and him. Mm -hmm. Um, And, uh, and it, created, you know, a different lifestyle for me that I appreciated what I was, I appreciated my health. I was appreciative that mm-hmm. I got to live for him to go through the next page of his life. And yeah. so I think that's really what, um, you know, why I'm sitting here, why I'm providing this is because I think if you might have gone through pain, you can't just stay in that. You can't just wallow in that. Um, you have to um, provide your story and your efforts and, you know, even your um, my positive upbringing really became evident. Um, um, just, I was always 
it was a very positive upbringing, a childhood that had no um, negativity in it at all. Yeah. And when it gave that, you roots, it did. That roots was huge, huge. Um, no, no alcohol, no drug abuse, no nothing that ever, you know, nothing that, and that's fine. People come from that too, but sure. I mean, it was positive all the way down. Um, and not like I was told that I had to be, you know, always on the honor roll and stuff like that. But it was one of those things that like, if you just are always positive, you're always going to be able to achieve the mm-hmm. greatest of you. Yeah. And, uh, Putting and I think that's spins on everything, you know, to make things positive. Cause I can't imagine like how much fear there was. Right. Yes. So like the world trade center happens and then your, your boyfriend mm-hmm. gets a brain tumor. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So that leaves so many things to really, really be scared of in yes. the world. How did you yes. manage, you know, how was your anxiety and stuff mm-hmm. at the time after where did y'all work? What, what did that look like post 9-11? Post 9-11, I worked in New Jersey. Like we looked right at the World Trade Center. Um, my job was to um, any personal belongings I had to uh, uh, capture, document, pass off to a police officer, and they called the families oh. uh, to get that. So it was a very hard. So the whole nature of your position at yes. that point completely changed to mm-hmm. finding people mm-hmm. and giving mm-hmm. belongings back. Wow. Yeah. So it, it, I don't know. I just felt like I was with some very strong people, though, yeah. like very strong-minded New Yorkers. That not that they've seen just as bad, but these were detectives that took down the mob. These were people that took down. Like they were very. These are the people you don't know of. Right. They're the quiet, you know, heroes that you know carry a name. I mean, um, it's. Uh, strong very strong verbally strong um it, and it just um i think i felt like them. yeah like i had to be as strong as them i always mm-hmm. had that core i don't remember um feeling fear um at all i don't feel like i went into depression okay. ever um i um i did have a call from um someone a dad um that called and he asked, um, it was that morning, and I don't know how I remember this, but I think because it was so hard to be honest um, that I will remember it. And it, um, he asked, you know, do you think my daughter might have had any chance of getting out? And I think he worked for this. She worked for Kenneth Fitzgerald and all them up there. And, and I said, I don't think so. I said, I, and I was honest, and I think my boyfriend looked at me like that was hard to say that. But I thought, I know what I experienced, and you might as well just pray of, yeah. of letting, you know, the knowledge just sink in because it is the truth. And it's I feel like if the truth is not always in front of you all the time when you go through passings mm-hmm. and you sugarcoat it and you just you don't really pay attention to the positive of that, chi- that person's life, then it just it gets it's just is more more painful. prolonging yeah. grief in a just way. Just remember yeah. the pain, the amazing parts. Remember the sure. love. Remember that life can happen no matter if it's not loving or not. Yeah. Like perspective is yeah. really really big. What you yeah. think about, you talk about, and what you talk about, you act about. Exactly. And so if if you want it to be bad, if you've decided that it's bad, it's probably gonna be bad, mm-hmm. and it sucks. You know those are those those 
grief places are okay to visit. You just don't want to stay. Mm-hmm. And and yep. feeling sorry for your circumstance is totally fine as long as it's a visit and not a stay. Mm-hmm. It does suck and it is unfair. It is. Yep. And it's awful that that happened. Yeah. Um, especially awful for the people's families who mm-hmm. get left behind because mm-hmm. those are the people that we hurt for and yeah. grieve for. And yep. oh my God. It's generational. Just, like it's, I mean, and it, it, to me, it's, um, those New Yorkers or those people that were there. I mean, it's amazing that there's not more that passed. Yeah. Um, but in my office or in the Port Authority, I mean, it wasn't just, you know, one family member that might've worked at the Port Authority. It was mm-hmm. multiple amount of sisters and brothers. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you could have lost a whole family in it. I mean, we all, I mean, it was wild, uh, that two of the people, um, that showed up, didn't show up. And, and, um, I don't know, just this weird feeling of, of knowing that, you know, why did they show up late? Like I'm never late to work, mm-hmm. never. And why was I late to work that late? And why were those people late? And, the sister was late and she didn't show up. And so her husband wasn't there. And that's the whole family that would have passed the whole family. Yeah. I mean, like four or five people. Yeah. I don't believe in coincidence. No. So I, it was strange. Very, very strange. I love that. Yeah. And I feel like that again, I, I have to credit my father because the, the most positive man also, you can think negatively. I'm not saying he was positive all the time, but there was a very distinct moment in my life where, um, I think I was like 17 or 18 it was right at the cusp of like knowing you're about to graduate and um, you don't know what your direction in life is, but I loved something. I, I love sports medicine. So I did sports medicine and, and I um, had this, um, this moment I, with my dad that he, the roots of your parenting, um, you know, it shows throughout the whole time. You never mm-hmm. kind of discuss how bad work is or, you know, it's positive all the time or yeah, it's ups and downs, but you know, you don't look like you're breaking. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a book called um, Who Moved My Cheese? Mm-hmm. Who Moved Your Cheese? Yes. And that book is extremely positive, but it's also teaches, I believe, a 17, 18 year old how to understand how to change with the course of life mm-hmm. and the dynamic of that. And so whether you're going through grief or pain, your cheese, which is life, is going to move in 20 different directions. But what kind of mouse are you? Are you the one that sits there and has a pity party and sorrows in it? And yes, death is horrible and pain is horrible. But if you are consistently in that mindset, then your body will change. Your DNA will start changing. Your brain will start changing. And if you want to stay there, that's where you'll stay. stay. That's good. The moving the cheese, if I'm not the mouse that wallows in it, I'm the one that finds a problem and I love a solution mm-hmm. and I'm really quick to move on it. And you have to find when you're, I think when you're parenting, where is your child's headset? And if you can challenge that change in their mind as you grow up to be 18 and you can change them to always understand that life is going to change. And if you're going to stay here and stay in your room and have a pity party or not know how to change your solutions or pivot to the dynamic of just learning how to do computers from the, you know, a generational change, learning sure. how to do computers when you're not, that's a change. You have to learn how to change with life. And mm-hmm. I think those that wallow in death and it is awful. I mean, yes, I was stuck in a year of like, you know, Fog. kind of blackout and wallows. Mm-hmm. But I also remember knowing that every time I went to go visit somewhere or I saw family or 
you did not say, you did not really talk about it that much. You didn't tell your story over and over again. You had to keep it inside because sometimes if you repeat the story so many times, you're living in that moment all the time. Mm -hmm. And this is like a very few times I've spoken. And I know people know of the story because I've also provided information that I know 20 years later that is kind of coming to the forefront now. And, um, and I like to educate people, not so much of the story of, of the pain of the story, but interesting on how history is not written correctly. Mm -hmm. Uh, those that lived it do have a different history than, you know, what's in the books. What's in the books. Yeah. Uh, also forgetting it. I don't want our youth to forget what happened and who created this problem or who did take the planes down or what happened to the buildings. That to me is my legacy. They mm -hmm. didn't kill me off so I could actually tell the right story. Right. Um, and to me, that's a very powerful thing that I get to, I get to educate my son properly. Um, yeah. And the what world. really happened in the world. And if Weeks, they want to hear it, they want to yeah. hear it. They don't want to believe it. They don't want to believe it. Sure. But someone that went through it is pretty powerful. And I feel like that book, again, back to the roots of your upbringing, that is a big deal that you can put that book in front of your kids. I literally just went to the book signing and uh, the Trinity um, uh, literacy project that they have every year. Mm -hmm. And Pete the Cat, Mr. Eric, I can't remember his last name, but the author, Pete the Cat is a exact version of Who Moved My Cheese for Your Youth. I read that book to my son and the light bulb went on. And I thought, wow, if you can walk around, Pete the cat walks around and you're reading it to your four-year-old and walks around with white shoes and all of a sudden he steps in blueberries and they become blue. As a child, if you create that mindset that change is able to happen and even if death happens or anything negative happens, guess what? Pete kept walking and he mm -hmm. kept singing his song. And that's what you have to do through every single pain that you go through, whether you lose your job, you go through COVID, you lose your family, mm -hmm. like it is... It is instrumental. You keep walking and singing a song. At the end, Pete's got, you know, red shoes and purple shoes and all the colors shoes. And at the end, he, I think he walks in a puddle and it's all white again. And believe me, there is that light white at the end of the tunnel yeah. that you have good shoes again. And I just don't ever think, think that your happiness is not might not be another person's happiness. But I feel like there's such a positive um Outlook in life. If you keep saying, no matter what shoe color you go through, you'll have. I'm gonna that. keep singing my sing song. A song, and I'll get yeah. to the white shoes back to the normal. Maybe yeah, one day. it speaks to identity. Yes, and that's you know we talk about that on this show quite a bit. Like identity is super important, mm -hmm. and being grounded because these things are coming, oh. and we can't. You couldn't have foreseen what was going to happen mm -hmm. to you that day, no. and no. and we don't know what. What version of grief and suffering mm -hmm. is in store for us? But we do know that there's a book that says that it's coming. Exactly. So be mm -hmm. be prepared. Be mm -hmm. prepared in a way that and prepare your kids. I yep. love like I love the mm -hmm. the story that you're that you're telling and that you're sharing because mm -hmm. you know, we didn't sit here for this entire time and talk about mm -hmm. all the nitty gritty details of how mm -hmm. hard it was for you mm -hmm. and how awful it was for you. And I bet yeah. that it was. I think yeah. you're downplaying that a yeah. little bit. I'm yeah. sure that that was mm -hmm. extremely hard. Mm -hmm. But I'm I'm glad that mm -hmm. you're sharing your perspective. I mean, mm -hmm. you're you're successful in a lot of ways mm -hmm. and that we're understanding yeah. why now. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. The risk is there. Like when you have that life changing moment of life being taken from you at 20 or 21. Yeah. You're like, well, yeah. the risk, I mean, I, I don't care. Like I will, uh, it's a good risk. Like I won't yeah. risk negative things. I won't risk, um, anything 
your in, child's yeah, safety no, nothing or of something that. like that. But no, just a risk of business, a risk of the money will probably always be there. We'll find mm-hmm. a way. We'll get through it. Like, yeah, I those opened are up the one little business. things. Yeah. I, mean, I honestly had more of the feeling of depression through more than 9-11. I had it through the moment. It was two months into COVID. So I opened up the little gym on January 20th of 2020 and uh, March 20th. What? That's 60 days later. Uh, we were shutting down and that feeling of pain and that entity, the uh, identity, that identity shot me when I couldn't wake up to go anywhere, when I couldn't wake up to mm-hmm. put makeup on, to get my hair done, to go out the door and feel purposeful. I think when you go through the situation of death or what 9-11 was, mm-hmm. it was amazing. I This is how creepy it was. And I won't, I won't, this won't be downplaying it. But the moment 9-11 happened, I woke up the next morning at 6 o'clock without an alarm. I went and showered. I got my hair and makeup on. I walked out and got down to the bus. I went onto a bus. Same place where I got my bus all the time because the buses were still running. Were they running and detouring around 9-11? Yes, or around the um, the, the well, area of, of the 9-11. But I could take that bus. I got on that bus, and my boyfriend was obviously so done and exhausted from the whole 12 hours of trying to get us home that day. Um, it was hell to get home. Um, I my, my clock, my body, my instincts woke me up, got me ready, went to work like it was a normal day, got on the bus— and I had a phone and thank God I answered it. And I was like, I'm trying to get to work. That's a blackout mode, yeah. which I think it protects your brain is gets protected, for which sure. is so creepy. Survival. So mm-hmm. survival. And thank God for that. But back to the idea of COVID and shutting down a business and knowing that it was more of not just the business, the money. If I wasn't supposed to be here five years later, obviously I've had this business, but if I wasn't worth being here, I wouldn't be as successful and the, the gym would have shut down. And mm-hmm. But the point of purposeful and knowing I couldn't go to work was more stressful and more damaging to my, my being than anything I've really went through in my life. And uh, because I could still persevere through 9-11, I could still finish crying and knowing that I'm very lucky to be here. So you're done crying. You cried for that person and you need to stop. You're good now. Now go to work. Yeah, go to work. And to me, I was like, when do I get that chance to be great, to go to work, to be purposeful in life? Mm -hmm. When do I get to show my kid how to how to be amazing, a mom and entrepreneur? And I wanted that every day. Um, um, It it it, that was the hardest. That was so hard. Um, And that's when I think I felt like I wanted to plug through even more and get Mm -hmm. stronger on every level of business and. And it's not just business. Business to me means your life, your path, your purpose. Like, where are you going to leave behind? What are you going to What are you going to have for others? You know, in yeah, Midland, your legacy. I want that legacy. And I hate saying that word legacy because there's, I mean, in business, anyone can own that business. But yeah. it's like who who came to the table first and saw the need and created it. If mm-hmm. that's what legacy is, then great. Then you know what? Sure. I was the first. I finally, you know, we did what we supposed to do in this town as you know, citizens and 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 community players in this town. We create a great space for children to be, you know, happy and have fun and it's yeah. safe and enjoyable in both places and a third. And I feel like I don't want to stop. Like, yeah. I, I feel like if I was saved that day, keep going. Why not? And it, yeah. there should be no stop. There should be yeah, no limit. It, it eliminates the the perspective of knowing what's a big deal mm-hmm. and knowing what, what, what gets your time and energy and resources. Mm-hmm. 
and what just isn't worth yeah. it. We're not having small-minded conversations. Yeah. We're not doing small-minded things. It, it, it definitely suffering trauma and and gaining that perspective on what really is a big deal and what really isn't can be such a you don't have to let it swallow you. It mm-hmm. can really empower you. Mm-hmm. you. Those those things that you have experienced can make you so great if you lean in to the lesson yep. that you gain from it. Absolutely. So I, I lo- you're doing big things. You're yeah. only focusing on the things that matter. Mm-hmm. And that's Yep. That's true. That's awesome. how life should be. That's how life should be. I you, agree. You focus on that stuff. Yeah. And that's you know, that's that's where I land. I mean it's I'm really I mean yeah. I think also um looking back, I there was this one thing that I don't know, as you kind of, I, I feel pain for children that have gone through um, death. Oh, yeah. um, and I had a cousin, her name was Summer, and she had a brain tumor and she died. And I wrote a book about it. And I think I was probably around nine. And, uh, you know, we, we had to write books and publish it with a hard copy and everything. And we had it in the library at my elementary school. And I wrote about her and I drew in the pictures and it was a good book. And um, and it was interesting looking back, like how my mom helped me grieve for a cousin. It was very yeah. interesting to think that she, and she was an older cousin. She was like, I don't know, maybe 12 or 13. And it was such a, an interesting time that at that age, you wrote it down, you captured it, you put it in a book and it's there and it's, you know, all my, always in my memoirs yeah. chest. And I think that's also... Good job to your parents. Yeah, I was like, wow, that was really interesting. They came alongside you uh-huh. and didn't try and save you from it or yeah. take you out of it or blind you no from therapy, it. No therapy, just they just came therapy. alongside yeah. you and like yeah. helped you move Write through it. Yeah. That's I, I love that. I know me too, and I yeah, thought, wow, and a drawing. I know, and it's just to me. I think I think sometimes we go into this like, did you have anxiety? No, like you get anxiety from not grieving. Or yeah, talking yes. about it or putting it into a picture or putting it into a book or putting yeah. it into a, a verbal conversation. There's freedom in setting yourself free yes. of those things. And that's one of the reasons that I love doing this show. Like, mm. come tell your story and experience the freedom. Like, yes. there's freedom in it. And there's freedom for other people mm. hearing your story. Like, yep. maybe they've been through some suffering and they haven't harnessed it the way that you have. Mm-hmm. Well, now, mm-hmm. like, there's yes. a light's c- going to turn on. Like, mm-hmm. I could do that. Yeah. I could do the things that she did. Yeah. Like, I love that. Yeah. Like, anyone that, like, I can't imagine if, you know, you're in a car accident and, like, your life flashes before you. Like, <laughs> I mean, I would run out and do any risk possible after that. I mean, mm-hmm. man, your life, if you aren't changing it for a pivotal direction mm-hmm. into a positive one, or you were just stagnant and you didn't want to take that leap, whether it's maybe, I don't know, going to college or taking a loan and trying something new. I mean, I would say, screw it. Just like, just get it. it. Like, go get it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, I think that's, I think that's why when people do pass, I do mm-hmm. feel like there's something so pivotal or that I, I just feel like we were carried mm-hmm. so strongly by all those that we knew that we had to tear, cry that much for them that they gave us somehow on this life the opportunity to push us through. I mean, that's a lot of people that we grieve for. Yeah. And um, you don't want to let it be for nothing. No. And I know we have to make right of their life. Like, Mm -hmm. I know it sounds crazy, but like all those people that 
I witnessed those funerals and just went through that. I just feel like in all those kids that sat there and, and had to see that I just, yeah, mine's not that bad. Like, you know, there's always mm-hmm. something worse. There's always someone that's going to experience death worse than I got to experience it, whether it's family or, or not, or I don't know. I just, you have to be grateful for what you're seeing in front of you, mm-hmm. even if it's death. Yeah. I know it sounds horrible to say that, but give them the right to keep like your life being even more powerful because mm-hmm. they don't get to experience it anymore. Not here. That's it. So keep going, like prove to them that you're worth being saved. And they weren't, I mean, I don't know why they're chosen. Sure. There's only someone knows, but you know, I just know that, yeah, I'm lucky. And, um, and you're not wasting it. No, I'm not wasting it. Not one ounce. Like every day, <laughs> every day. I mean, I don't know. I just, yeah. And even therapy, I know, I know people have to go through therapy, but I feel like, um, you gotta be picky with therapy. You can't do it forever. Sometimes you just have to close that door, shut that door, put it in a box, and that's the story, and it's gone. Like it's locked up, like physically locked up. You write it down, you put it in a box. Yeah. You don't if keep you find yourself staying. You're mm-hmm. not visiting anymore. You're staying. staying. Yes. You're you're this event is now part of your identity. Correct. Like you're making it your whole story. When somebody no. asks you to tell you tell them about yourself. Mm. You're telling them about this tragic thing that happened to you. I was kind of stuck in that for a little while. Mm. And that was like, I I was like, okay, Rachel, like this is, that'll be enough. Like we need to move forward now. And so that's a really good word. Sometimes we, we tell our story so many times or we say like, I don't know how I'm ever going to get over this. Mm -hmm. Like so many times that you get trapped in Mm -hmm. your grief cycle. And so that's a good, yep. And get what you're saying. No one ever sees it unless you open and Mm -hmm. say it. And then the persona of you looks different to people too. Yeah. And to me, then that's not sometimes the positive that Mm -hmm. keeps you, you know, vibrant and, and, and glowing in the day that you need to, you need to look different to other people. You know, you have to come off a certain way. Um, If it's, if they see you in that light or around that time, um, like around 9-11, I feel like we're always living in the same year. Mm -hmm. I mean, just look at it that way. Like, do you ever feel the same way every month? You remember feeling the same way you did in November? Unless you have a tragedy or something that really rocks that type of day in that year, I feel like it kind of makes you come off hinge a little bit and it pivots you into making you feel a certain way every year. Mm -hmm. And so if you want to address 20 years of feeling that way, um, even the temperature in the air or the weather, Mm -hmm. I remember the weather. I remember what it felt like that day. I remember... Yeah, it just changed. It was, I think your senses are always there on that day when Mm -hmm. tragedy happens. Um, And, or sometimes it's forgotten. Uh, Mine's very obvious. I know when September is happening. I mean, someone could tell me it was December and I could be like, or it was October. And I know it's it's September 11th coming around the corner in two days. I, there is something about my energy and my life. I know I've went through that year Mm -hmm. and it's just, how do you create another pathway of energy that takes you into a, not a negative or not that down, you know, the depression or, Oh my God, it's coming up. And, you know, I got to talk to everyone or people are going to call me. Yeah. It's a choice. It's a choice. It's like, how are you wanting to make it positive? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And, uh, sunflowers have to be, happen to be my flower. Um, that was at the bodega when I was, um, I saw, uh, my boyfriend, um, I will never forget the sunflowers, honestly. 
Um, bodegas always have the flowers outside, but I was like right next to a flower and I looked up and he was there and I like, that was the reason why, you know, my loved ones give me, um, sunflowers on 9-11 and it's just a, such a, uh, a pivotal happiness, mm-hmm. um, to remind me that just be joyful, like be grateful, yeah. be happy, you know? And, um, and that's the positive of it. I, I know, I, I know it was tragic and, I put a face on this is 22 years, you know, and it didn't look like this the first, you know, year. But but also, you know, I don't think if that boyfriend ever had that happened to him, mm-hmm. um, I would probably have been a little bit Debbie Downer or wallow through, you know, the pain. But when you want to love someone through something so dramatically um, to get dramatically to get them through to be positive for them while they're suffering all the other stuff that happened, you can't change that that path, that you can't change that September 11th date, but you can provide guidance and happiness for the person that's struggling through, yep. you know, whatever it is. And so to me, that's huge. Yeah, um, mindset. So, yep, it's a mindset. And I think that says a lot um, on how you um, live life. And you get one chance and this is it. Um, yeah. And it's the only one you got. Yeah. And that's Use it. My dad's saying is... Um, I mean, he just always said this and he said, you only live once. And I mean, that literally is tattooed on my foot at 35 years old. I mean, I have it written inside my watch, my two watches. I mean, as a scripture, I mean, it's, I know it's not God's words, but to me, you do only live once and he gave you that chance and you better run with it. Amen. That's it. So good. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for coming on. You Thank did so you. great. <laughs> well done. You got me teared up. <laughs> <laughs> that was a little much. But yeah, I, I want to just, it's positive. I, I think you got to show the other side of the, the pain. You know, I mean, there's yeah, a lot of, I yes. don't think there's, I should be that, that Debbie Downer, you know, I mean, and I just, I don't know. I, I just yeah. didn't want to come with that pain. You see people get stuck. Mm-hmm. You see mm-hmm. people that are still Something happened to them, and they're. It, I mean, you would have thought it happened yesterday, and it happened yeah. eighteen years ago. Yeah. And it's yep. like it, not taking away from how awful it was, or how bad it hurts, mm-hmm. or any of those things. But yeah, you are gifted a perspective. Yeah, go use it. Yeah, use go it, have some fun it. with it. Or like, call me and help me. Yeah, <laughs> let me let me help you tap into yes. it. Yes. Um. Listen to the people who have been through it mm-hmm. and have experience because they have a word for you. They yep. have an encouragement for you. They have yes. a way out for yeah, you. Yeah, maybe once a year you do talk about it, mm-hmm. maybe on that day. Yeah. Or that's why there are grave sites. That's why there are – I mean, that's why you do memorials. have memorials. Yes. And, and But you every day, 364 days out of that year, you should be providing that mm-hmm. that gift to yourself to – heal yeah. period and, and live and live and that's the, why you're here and some people are mm-hmm. they start to exist on that after absolutely something happens and that's okay mm-hmm. for a while but you were meant to live you know we don't have to crawl through the battlefield of life Mm-mm. you have armor that you can yeah. put on like stand oh, yeah. up yep get up and yep. um yep. I, I that's what i want to help everybody do. yeah because I've been I've been on the ground. I've been crawling. And yeah. I, I want to I want to help people get up. Yeah. Yeah. It's overwhelming. I think it depends on the type of, of situation too. And I, I don't want to downplay it with, with this at all. But I think 
Um, I think someone positive has to be in the room. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think someone has to bring oh, that yeah. always to remember. If you have a bunch of people that you're around, that you're constantly complaining. Yes, and, and putting the negative spin mm-hmm. on it or or sorrowing in it. It To me, it's not even a word sorrowing, but like, sure. sor- I mean, wallowing. wallowing in it. It's just, you, you do have to change sometimes the direction of everything. And mm-hmm. when I had to change the job, like, you know, to leave everyone that I felt like I was safe around, mm-hmm. adults, grown adults that had guns protected me. Like I worked with the FBI and the CIA and the IRS. I mean, I worked with very high level people that I was very protected. And to think that like I was walking away by myself, never being around those people again, and I wasn't going to see them again. Mm-hmm. I talked to them once in a great while on a 9-11, but it was you have to. Literally change your life. You yeah. have to pivot and move, even if it's having to move out of a state or move out of your city yes. to know what a different look, a divorce. You have to look at a different place yeah. because you're going to have too many memories. And sometimes those memories do fade when you actually leave that place. Mm-hmm. And that was what was huge. I stayed yeah. there seven years later and it felt like moving to different areas. But I felt like to me, I... I it it didn't take seven years, but I felt like I was on that rabbit that um, mm-hmm. hamster wheel, mm-hmm. and on that certain time, I thought, okay, you're not wallowing in the nine eleven thing, but you're not growing, and you're staying in that consistency. Yeah. You got to change, like you got to pivot. They and say there was something of, more better. They say that about grief. Um, that as soon as a loved one dies. Mm-hmm. Change, change the way you did Christmas, change the way you did Thanksgiving, change the place that you that change the place in your home where you ate, Mm. change your like they say, embrace the change because it helps you grieve Mm. faster. Interesting. I don't know. Oh, I believe I I I truly believe based on the people that I have had come on the show and tell their stories, like especially the ones who lost a child, which I feel like is like, oh, that's the ultimate. That I I can't I can't believe there's anything more yes. horrible than that. Um, that's mm-hmm. in seeing the ones who really got over it, not got over it. That is, but got through it in a way that they could carry on and do what we're talking about. Correct. Doing. Yes. Um, it, it they embrace that change. Yes. And mm-hmm. and. There are there are some that I know of, not the ones that have been on my show, but there are people that I know that are really, really struggling to accept the change. Mm-hmm. And they're stuck. Yeah. yeah they're good. reliving it all the time. And it's like it's heartbreaking because mm-hmm. I you yeah. can't choose it mm-hmm. for anybody else. It's, yeah. Yeah. And I yeah, and I and I will not speak on on that pain. Yeah. I just like only know mine. Yes. (laughs) And that's it. And, and yes, I have so sympathy for all those that have done that, you know, gone through that. And I think that's just any tool to change and not to forget, but to just change your own life Mm -hmm. because your life looks different after that death. So you do have to actually physically change your routines and your patterns. You do. Yeah. Yeah, Whether you want to be stuck here mm -hmm, or not, mm -hmm. you're stuck here. Agreed. Yep. So. Yep. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks for letting me have it out on camera. Great job. (laughs) Thanks.